Well, Matt, we got Prashant on the line. What do you want to ask him? I guess my question would be, since we can't do a deal without any money, what's the advice for getting started to raise capital? See, the advice for getting started for raising equity is to start reaching out to your contacts. Mm-hmm. Your phone is your most important piece of contact. You have the phone book. You start reaching out to them mm-hmm. and kind of bringing everybody up to the speed of what you are doing. Second is your branding, how you can become a little bit on the social media. Try to portray yourself as an expert in a syndication business. This is the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast, and I'm your host, Brian Briscoe. Now, this podcast is designed for the aspiring apartment investor and literally gives them the opportunity to ask the questions that will help them get to the next level. So if you're an aspiring apartment investor, this podcast is for you. Now, this podcast is brought to you by the Tribe of Titans Multifamily Educational Community. It's your one-stop shop for learning how to succeed at apartment investing. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe. Very excited for today's show. We've got a two-time guest with us today in Prashant Kumar, and we have our aspiring investor, Matt Strayer, with us. So very excited for today's show, and gentlemen, welcome. Matt, thank, um, Brian, thank you so much for inviting. I'm honored. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So Prashant, you're going to be up first. We're going to talk a little bit about you and go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and give us an idea of your background. See, I come from a very humble background. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up in a joint family mm-hmm. in India, obviously, and had education in one of the top institutes in India. Came mm-hmm. here about 25 years ago, worked in multifamily, I'm sorry, multinational companies you know, mm-hmm. as, a, as a highly paid consultant. Mm-hmm. But as you asked, what is my why? My why was always to yep. give back to the world. And yep. that kind of brought me to, to real estate, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have done a lot of work in multifamily space. I've mm-hmm. done, I'm doing a lot of work in senior assisted living space. Mm-hmm. And besides these two, I spend a lot of time helping folks meditate, you know, gain peace in their heart. Mm-hmm. And that I do as basically just as a mm-hmm. voluntary work. Yeah. So I, I, have, I have kind of covered three facets of life, you know, yeah. trying to provide good accommodation mm-hmm. to our folks. Then once they move on, I provide independent living, assisted living and memory care. Mm-hmm. And besides that, I at a spiritual level, I personally am helping out, not as a business, trying to give them peace and help them meditate. Mm-hmm. This is my biggest why. Nice. And and for that, you know, I ended up quitting my job and and I'm doing what I'm doing. All right. I love it. I love it. So from high paid consultant to real estate investor, what did that transition look like? Was it a kind of a gradual thing? Was it just uh, I'm quitting and I'm launching this? What Can you give us some details on, on that transition? Yeah. So that transition is is a very tricky transition, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you, uh, you have to pay your bills also, right? So yep. I ended up coming into real estate. I ended up buying a few homes, single-family homes, realized that it's not my cup of tea. Then I started buying multifamily. And, uh, you know, I found the gold at that time. You know, I, I bought single 
I was buying single family. It was taking me like three months to close a deal. Mm-hmm. I got one multi-family in a, in a small time frame, you know, seven, 24 units yeah. in like, like 15 days. You know, bank wanted to close sooner. I closed it. Mm-hmm. And that day cash flows even today. I don't even lift the finger. So nice. I realized that, you know, multifamily, mm-hmm. yes, money dries up. You have to come into syndication. And that kind of took me to the next level. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I jumped into syndication. And yes, to your point, it was a gradual transition. Mm-hmm. You cannot just quit your job. You know, you get paid so much. You have bills to pay. Yep. So that helped me. I mean, over a period, it took me about five years, by the way, to, yeah. to quit my job, you know. So I had to reach to the financial freedom number to be able to quit my job and do this full time. Yeah. So, but but I'm doing it for last one and a half years uh, mm-hmm. full time, and I like it. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. So, been doing it about a year and a half now. Some, something I want to ask you about: you did you did a a conference a couple of months ago. Is that going to be an annual conference? Yes, we did a conference in November. Mm-hmm. And we became part of another group mm-hmm. and we collaborated with them. And we did a conference in, in April timeframe, March, I think March timeframe. So mm-hmm. our personal conference, Cashflow Champs, we do it every year in November. Okay. But besides that, we had collaborated with um, Real Estate Hero, Tim Mai's organization to conference with him that mm-hmm. we did it in March. Okay. That's a question. Yes, we will be doing these conferences probably yearly, you know. We'll, nice. we'll see how the future holds, maybe more more than mm-hmm. that. Awesome. People ask me a lot if I'm ever going to do you know conferences or events like that, but why did you guys decide to start doing conferences? Yeah, so basic idea is when you are in syndication, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you have to put your brand out there, right? It is, it is kind of marketing, basically. Yeah. You are helping investors to learn about what multifamily syndication can do for them. And mm-hmm. for that, you know, you want to project yourself in the market. It is a lot of effort. It is a lot of expense. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of puts you kind of a little bit back yeah. uh, because you are focusing on that rather than doing your deals. But after the conference, you know, you you know, people know you a little bit more and hopefully yeah. it kind of accelerates your progress also. Mm-hmm. So one contact in one conference is if you find a good contact, you know, then kind of, Go to the next level right there, you know. Yeah. So the basic idea is a selfless service, obviously. Mm-hmm. We don't charge anything for our conference. There's no fees. Yeah. We end up getting some sponsors, so we get some money from them. Mm-hmm. But overall, yes, you take a step back, but you you move forward also a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the future will tell us, you know, whether we'll do a lot of them or not. But mm-hmm. at least for now, we are doing yearly. Nice. Your philosophy on the conference was you're using it as a marketing tool, get your name, get your brand out there, see how many people you can you can meet and how many people it could potentially be partners or investors later. I like it. Yeah. That is correct. Yeah. That, that's what it is. Yeah. When I spend money going to conferences, it's probably nothing close to what you guys spent to host the conference. You know, it's it's the same thing. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna pay several thousand dollars to, you know, fly, stay in a hotel, you know, conference tickets, everything else. If I get one person to invest, you know, fifty or hundred thousand, you know, that's that's kind of like my break even. You know, one person inv- who invests fifty thousand, you know, I break even. Anything better than that, and it's it's all profit. So, well, cool, interesting. So let, let's do this. I know you've been involved in in several several properties. Your, your bio says, I think, 
1228 total units. Let's talk about, you know, one of those properties, you know, you know, pick your first or your favorite and give us some idea of the type of things you guys do. See, basically when I started, as I said earlier, um I bought one property within 15 days time span, you know. Yeah. To be precise, December 22nd to December 20 December 12th to December 27th, I closed the property. Nice. And, and all I had to do in terms of the documentation was to send my PFS and SREO to the mm-hmm. bank. And bank wanted to close before the year end. So I closed it. It mm-hmm. helped me gain confidence that, you know, at that time, you know, I was a mm-hmm. I was like a newbie. The people like me can buy a $2 million asset or, you know, one and a half million dollar asset in 15 days. Let's explore it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I ended up buying another one, 72 unit, direct from the seller. You know, I did a campaign. I, I sent letters and somebody called me back. And, you know, I spent a couple of thousands dollars, you know, to, for that campaign. And I ended up buying a property. And I and that property makes me upwards of, you know, I shouldn't say upwards of tens of thousands of dollars a month, you know. And, wow. and I don't lift the finger, you know. But after that, you know, of course, you're out of money, you know. Don't yeah. have too much cash in your bank, right? So, so we are. Then we started doing syndication. I got involved into bigger deals, four hundred mm-hmm. units, you know, five hundred units. Some of the deals we have, those bigger deals, very heavy lift deals, yeah. because of being in the industry, I had a lot of contacts, so I was able to, you know, raise you know a couple of million dollars per deal, and that kind of was a trajectory for me to get into the deals, right? So that's how I started. Mm-hmm. And just never stopped, you know. I just kept on doing deal, deals after deals. I mean, there are times when I lost some money here and there, you know. Of course, like anything else, you know, losses do occur in life. You know, you have to, you have to wipe your tears and move on. Yeah. So in the beginning, you know, I had deals. You know, I did bigger deals. You know, like four hundred unit deal, mm-hmm. which gave me returns and my investors return over mm-hmm. three year period. You know, they got like twenty five percent annualized return on their money. Yeah, and I was a equity raiser by the way in those deals. Mm-hmm. But but w- once I kept on doing that over three year period, you know I had developed confidence. So we formed a group called Cash Flow mm-hmm. Champs, and that's where now we are doing deals ourselves. I mean, before Cash Flow Champs, also I was doing deals yep. in the groups as a general partner. But now we have Cash Flow Champs, and we are doing all the deals under under that umbrella. Nice. In addition, in addition to all this, you know, I, as I said, you know, I'm passionate about senior care. Um, I had, uh, you know, small assisted living facilities in California. I still have them and they are working out okay. But they were smaller than I bought bigger assets, you know. In Arizona last year, I'm by, I'm doing one in Torrington. So there, there's some, some stuff going on in uh, senior assisted living space also. Nice, nice. A little variety there. So... Awesome. So what's uh, what's next for you? So in terms of next, mm-hmm. as I said, you know, I bought the property in Arizona, 150 mm-hmm. unit hotel, which we converted into assisted living. Uh, mm-hmm. And we just got the license for that, uh, like in April. And uh, we are in a lease of phase, basically. That's my, my puppy. You know, I'm spending mm-hmm. a lot of time on that. Uh, my goal is to fill that up. Uh, sometime this year, maybe mid mm-hmm. by mid next year, and then increase the valuation, refinance that out, and and probably see what I want to do with that property. 
Mm-hmm. There is another 60 unit where I'm doing construction right now. I bought a nursing home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought a nursing home, uh, which I which I you know kind of demolished, cut renovation. Mm-hmm. So I am doing that. Hopefully that will come online uh, mid next year. So yeah. two assistant living, these are the big projects you know that I'm working on. Nice. Number three, you know, we are closing a deal in Atlanta as we speak this mm-hmm. month in a 236 unit. A multifamily, another multi, another 106 unit coming on coming online probably in August time frame. So total mm-hmm. four projects going on: two in multifamily and two in assisted living space. Nice, nice, nice. Great to be able to do uh, you know all that at the same time. So, and I, I know several guys on your team. I think you guys got a pretty solid team going on there. So it is considerable amount of work, and it is considerable yep. amount of stress also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If you know what I mean, you know, yep. uh, basically just juggling too many balls at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Teamwork things. makes the dream work, so to speak. So awesome. Well, we're going to shift gears a little bit and, uh, you know, bring uh, Matt on the line. So Matt, how's it going, man? It's good. That's good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, do us a favor and, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I feel like uh, I got a... A long and complex background, but mm-hmm. um, I was born and raised in Indianapolis and spent some time in Florida. I ended up graduating from high school and then I went to Purdue University, originally mm-hmm. on track in PharmD uh, for pharmacy school as a pharmacist. And uh, before I graduated, I ended up accepting a position with uh, Department of Homeland Security mm-hmm. and moving for that job. And um, I ended up not liking it at all. And then back to the back to home in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. where I started working as a police officer. And basically before long, I ended up getting transferred with a retail company doing interview and interrogations with theft investigations mm-hmm. in Oklahoma City. And so Oklahoma City is where where I've put in my roots and I met my wife and we're situated now going from retail and I got pretty burnt out after basically being a, a regional manager as the Western U.S. for a, for a large top 500 company. Mm-hmm. And that's what pushed us into real estate, except we started out on the license side, which is mm-hmm. where we're at now. And I'm working full-time in commercial real estate. So, okay. and then of course, maybe about a year ago, I had a client ask me, man, you found us all these great deals and I'm, I'm, you know, making all this money and blah, 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 blah. Thanks so much. How many of these do you have? <laughs> right. I was like, man, that's a really good question. Cause I have zero, you know, and, and I'm like, man, what the heck? And, and I'd always, I've followed, like, it seems like every major investor, every major mastermind, mm-hmm. you know, learning it, but learning it as a, on a transactional side yeah, for yeah. my investors and for my clients thinking if I learned the investor side, then I could really help my clients, not ever thinking that I should be getting in the deals. Yeah. And I think that's like 99% of most real estate agents. Mm-hmm. And after we sat down and thought about it, I'm like, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, what's what's the deal? So, you know, so that kind of brought me to where I'm at. You know, I've got mm-hmm. some things in my background with, uh, you know, I've been a type one diabetic since I was an infant, done high school and semi-pro football. You know, I've competed in Ironman triathlons. I've done some, you know, different unique things like that that aren't very common that require, you know, kind of yeah. balls 
rest of the wall where, where it's, it's intense. And, you know, I kind of feel like that's, it's very, it runs very similar to yeah. <laughs> apartment investing and trying to figure it out. And it's a long-term play for sure. Awesome. All right. So I, I think you're right. A little bit of a varied history, but it sounds like you, you kind of caught wind of, Hey, what investing looks like from the broker's side. And now you want to get in to the, the other side, right? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So a question I love to ask, and this is going to go, you know, more into motivation, but you know, why, what's your burning? Why, why are you, why are you making the switch? Why are you hustling? Well, initially, you know, I, and selfishly it's money, Mm -hmm. but I've got a burden of student loans that Mm -hmm. is as much as my house from pharmacy school. And Mm -hmm. I had to figure out a way to pay for them. So I'm like, if I could buy a single family home that can offset my student loan payment, then I could buy another one and another one, another one before you know it, mm-hmm. these properties will be paying for my student loans. Yep. You know, and as my kind of, as my journeys progress, I'm driving down the street and I'm like, well, someone's buying duplexes and fourplexes. What about those yeah. apartments? Mm-hmm. Like those huge apartment complexes, someone's buying them and that could change you know, at a large scale or, or even a small scale will change the course of anybody's future. Yeah. So, so that's really, that's become my why. And then, you know, and then ultimately uh, to really help both my, my wife and my parents, my, my wife's parents get everything that they want. They've done everything and made all the sacrifices for us. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think we really have a major debt to them. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. Well, Matt, we got Prashan on the line. What do you want to ask him? Well, I figure we're kind of similar, both having a commercial real estate agent background. So I guess I feel like I'm really, I feel like I'm strong in due diligence and underwriting and the different networking aspects of the deal, but I've never raised capital. And it seems like that's Mm -hmm. the elephant in the room for most people. And it's also probably the most valuable aspect of you know, partnering on a deal is being able to raise capital. Mm-hmm. So I guess my question would be, since we can't do a deal without any money, what's the advice for getting started to raise capital? See, the advice for getting started for raising equity is to start reaching out to your contacts. Mm-hmm. Your phone is your most important piece of contact. You have the phone list, you have the phone book, you start reaching out to them. Mm-hmm. and kind of bringing everybody up to the speed of what you are doing. I'm, I'm just just getting into the weeds, not presenting a deal, but kind of educating them who you are, what you are doing, and what are the benefits of you doing that. And there are various methods. I typically do a video message of one minute or two minutes, and I, I kind of blast it to 100 of my friends you know, mm-hmm. per week. And, and see what, what is the response from them, right? I mean, half of them respond, half of them do not respond. Invariably, if, if you have four or 500 contacts, and, and that's what usually people have, you will find three, four con- people who may be willing to come and join you into your multifamily deal, right? So that's the beginning of everything. Second is your branding, how you can become a little bit on the social media Try to portray yourself as an expert in a syndication business. You know, try to associate yourself to a group who is doing this already, rather mm-hmm. than you 
inventing the wheel yourself, right? So that's why sometimes, you know, these coachings come handy also because in those coaching groups, you are able to connect and, and find the opportunities and become general partner. So the mm-hmm. most important thing for us to get into a general partnership position in a deal because, and, the, and there is a reason for that. You know, why, I, why I'm saying that is because you, I can talk all day about doing deals, doing deals, doing deals, raising money. But unless I'm into a deal, it has no value. I can, it's like learning mm-hmm. swimming. I can talk about swimming, but unless, unless I jump into the pool, I don't learn anything. Yeah. So the important thing is to for us to get into a deal so that we learn, mm-hmm. learn a lot and, and expand your network, basically. Expanding the network, there are 100 marketing techniques, 100 ways to connect with the investors. And, and the most effective way is your text for the beginners, you know. Mm-hmm. Text message, I mean, and, and it could be just a text message. It could be a video or whatever you want to send. And it could be as simple as services like slight text. You, if you don't want to do that work yourself, let them do it. It costs you $5 a month or whatever, something like that. So they mm-hmm. can do the work for you. You create the text, load the contact list there and let it let it go out to, to the investors. Mm-hmm. Open rate for the text is 90%. Open rate for the email is 4 to 5%. Right. Mm-hmm. So you want to send a small message and then project yourself. You know, there are 100 things I can talk about from a marketing standpoint. And then you are educating, you know, every week you are sending a text, maybe for you, you just, you, you come up with four weeks worth of text, you know, four texts, and then you send mm-hmm. and a funnel, let it work as a funnel, top of the funnel, middle of the funnel and the bottom of the funnel. You want to find out out of those hundred people who would eventually be investing with you. So, yeah. and when you have a deal, you present the deal to them. And first time, most likely they will not, they will not. Invest with you. I mean, you talk to hundred people, maybe maybe five, maybe actually three to four will invest with yeah. you. But I mean that that's a grind. That that's a grind that you have to do, and mm-hmm. eventually hoping that you will find somebody, a big check writer somewhere, and then uh, you become part of a team and 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 you continue to do that basically. Yeah, great advice there. I mean, yeah, I think going back to what he said up front is it just starts by talking to everybody. You know, talk to the people you know. You know, send it, send that email out to everybody that you know, or send that video message out to everybody you know. the The way I like to describe it is, you know, you, you start on a small stage. You know, you're going to start with friends and family, but you want to go about increasing. You know, getting on bigger and bigger stages. All right, so talking to more and more people, and uh, most people are going to run out of investors from their close friends and family really quickly. And you you got to find a way, like I said, to keep on getting on bigger and bigger stages, talking to more and more people. And I mean, Prashant, I mean, he gave a lot of good, a lot of more actionable tips on that, but that's essentially what it is. Talk to more and more people and get on bigger and bigger stages. Definitely. That's great. So, well, Prashant, you're a general partner in, in several deals and several thousand, well, a couple thousand units almost. When you're looking at deals to be a GP, like what metrics do you typically look at to know whether or not you feel like this is going to be a good deal to partner on? Very good question. The first thing you want to know is whom you are investing with, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not about the deal. It's about the people who are running the deal. That's number one, yeah. right? You have to have confidence in, in the folks who are who are doing the deal. That's number one to begin with. 
Number two, then you are looking at the deal, you know, what, what kind of returns, what is the market, you know. Then you, you are talking about underwriting, you know, what is the metrics, you know. Uh, is, is, is deal written, underwritten conservatively, right? I mean, uh, isn't the operator projecting 7 to 10% rent growth over the next five years? I mean, uh, you have to look at those parameters, you know. I mean, what is the returns for our investors, you know? What is the occupancy? What is the area occupancy? Is is the deal underwritten uh, a little bit below that area occupancy or not? You know, and mm-hmm. what is the value add? Is there is there a rent bump that could be achieved? I mean, is it a, is it is are the projections? See, part of the thing is, are the projections given by the operator are they conservative enough or not? Because nine times out of ten things go south, right? I mean, you, yeah. and, and they go north also, but at the same time, you want to cover your basis. If things go south, would you be able to do, would you be able to survive? I mean, mm-hmm. do the stress test on the deal. Numbers, specific numbers, you know, 7% pref on pref, you know, anywhere from, you know, teens IRR, 14, 15 IRR kind of returns for our investor, you know, four-year, five-year exit in a deal. I mean, no investors don't like to keep on putting the money, taking them back every one or two years. Mm-hmm. You want to give them long-term return projections and you want to work with the operators who are stable operators rather than um, rather than fly-by-night operators who have just come into the market because of the market conditioning over the last two, three years. Yeah. So you want to work with, with the more experienced folks. You know, that, that, mm-hmm. That's what I would say. Yeah, I take a similar approach, you know, team first, you know, I've got to trust the team, you know, and then same, I mean, my my second thing is market, you know, what market is it in? And third is is the deal itself. But I mean, as Prashant's talking, you know, I was thinking, you know, he, he probably has, you know, very similar, he just didn't, part of the deal is the market it's in, obviously, but yeah, that's my approach as well. Do I like the team? Do I trust the team? Do I want to invest with that team? And then- you know, what's happening in the market? You know, is the market going up? Is it going down? And, you know, I mean, there there could potentially be markets where 7 to 10% rent growth for a year or two makes sense, you know, if you're looking at the numbers. But, you know, it's got to be a case-by-case thing and it's it's not going to be very often. But so for me, I would say the people involved, the market, and then the deal itself. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So with kind of piggybacking on that, has either... Uh, I guess either of you, like, has your taste for deals changed recently because of whether, and this is kind of a layered question, so I'll figure out let's talk through it, you know, whether whether it's because of interest rates mm-hmm. or availability of deals or the sellers are still stuck in like 2021 cap rates you know, where, mm-hmm. where they're wanting deals and with four caps and, you know, trying to understand the logic to like we want to submit offers on deals, but it seems like every offer that we want to make and every deal that we look at, we're way under what, you know, the listing brokers at, and it just seems so unrealistic. Like the seller expectations haven't quite caught up. So yeah. have you guys relaxed at all because of that? Or do you have a pretty hard line with, with where you want to make your offers? See, it's a very good question, and and the answer to this is it depends, right? I mean, you are looking at the deals. I mean, I have yet to see a deal in last six months to a year where new debt will pencil out, right? I mean, so your approach right. kind of changes a little bit. You know, you you are uh, basically 
looking at the deals, um, new debt at 6%, 5.5%, that's yeah. not canceling out, right? So there are a lot of deals out there where seller wants to exit or seller um, wants to move on to another deals where uh, assumption, you know, which was mm-hmm. done, the loan, they had the loan a couple of years ago at, at sub threes or 3.5%. Those deals are still penciling out. Mm-hmm. But to win those deals, you have to come up front, uh, show your strength so that seller is comfortable that you're going to close those deals. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a long winding answer, but uh, overall, um, deals have become harder. Mm-hmm. Does it mean that you are, you start taking more risk? Uh, we have clear mandate that we will not take more risk than what we can afford, right? I yeah. mean, we still want to play conservative. It's not about winning the deal. It's about preserving the capital. Um, so uh, we we did not relax ourselves. Maybe a little bit, but not not too much. We are not just running yeah. our deals. It doesn't make sense. Which don't make sense. I mean, we are doing deals. I mean, we have two deals right now, as I said earlier, but both of them are assumption assumption deals. You know, mm-hmm. our metrics is still the same. Um, it used to be better earlier, but at least teams IRR, you know, seven cash and cash, seven to nine cash and cash at least uh, in in that range. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you when you adjust your offer based on the assumption. Are you are you making your offer at that lower cap rate, or are you making like um you know kind of like a market cap rate offer, but just getting the lower debt, and that's going to be your upside? Yeah, so we are making the offer uh, on the market cap rate, uh, but we are making a stronger offer. We are putting yeah. in some cases we are putting a lot of hard money. To win the deal because there are other people also who are going to put the same offer. I mean, deal is in the open market, right? Anybody can put the offer, yeah. but you have to come come with a bigger momentum, uh, you know, stronger team, and uh, you know, put in uh, you know probably hard money, you know, or, you know, mm-hmm. so that seller feels comfortable, right? Seller yeah. doesn't want to lose time, also. So, I mean, you are not going to buy things at a high you are not going to be able to buy things at a higher cap rate, right? Than market cap rate. Seller are, sellers are not giving up on their price expectations. So it is up to you how you win those deals. I mean, that's a strategy that we are implementing. We are not relaxing on our dollar figures, but we are adopting a slightly different approach where we come in with a stronger uh, mm. offer. Um, and, yeah. and and we won two two deals. I mean, I'm humbly speaking, I'm not proud. I'm not boasting about it, but yes, uh, it did work for us. Yeah, we we're we're doing loan assumptions as well. I mean, I've closed. We're, we're working on several actually right now. But yeah, I mean, as far as you know, criteria and everything else. I mean, my 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 criteria hasn't changed much. What what I am seeing is we are putting out fewer offers, but we're getting a higher percentage of them. You know, two years ago, every time you put anybody put in an offer, there was a, a multiple bid scenario. And so 
you know, there were a lot of deals that could pencil, you know, a couple of years ago with where interest rates were and that you look at and you're like, okay, that makes sense. I think we can hit our return metrics and everything. Yeah. I don't think my return metrics have, have changed significantly. I think most investors are happier with a little lower IRR than they were a year or two ago. So we have a little more room to make things pencil, but yeah, like I said, it's, we were very happy to look at the loan assumptions. I've got several on my plate right now. And I mean, end of the day, we're just trying to do deals. And if sellers have a pie in the sky price, you know, we'll, if we can come close to that number, we'll put an offer in. If we can't, yeah, I mean, that's fine. We'll move on to the next one. Yeah, that's awesome. Got to obviously play it safe and protect our investors. So mm-hmm. the number number one rule of the game. So, and I guess my, my last question, well, not so much question, but the whole idea of senior care mm-hmm. is super exciting to me. I was listening into some stuff with Vinny Chopra and, you know, how they're making like ultra luxury senior communities. And I just thought that was super cool. My wife's background was in a senior living center in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. And though it is one of the better facilities here, I was just thought it was such a big difference between where she was working, even though it's nice compared to some of the real high end facilities, yeah. you know, so there's, there's definitely some space in the market probably throughout the entire U.S. to, you know, to come into that because everybody wants their their loved ones to be in great care and have, you know, amazing amenities to to stay in. Nobody wants to walk into a bad facility, you know, for their parents to be living there and, and not enjoy it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a good point. I mean, good to hear that, you know, you have uh, interest in senior assisted living. I mean, we, I was on a webinar today. I mean, 10,000 people are coming to an age every week to in, that they need space, basically. Yeah. The supply for that is half of the demand. I mean, all the new construction that is happening in this space, supply is just half the demand. I mean, it's just a pure, pure simple fact. So in the long run, where is it going? I mean, you are seeing, you are, there is a supply, there's a demand, which is, increasing every day right so there's mm-hmm. a gap and that gap is increasing and they're calling it as as Vinny Chopra also says they're calling it as a silver tsunami right mm-hmm. that is about to come I mean I started going into that space because of my passion I mean does it matter where is it going yes I think uh, if I keep on acquiring one property a year I mean in a couple of years we will have uh, you know four or five properties and we would be running them and you know helping seniors whatever we can we are all learning basically i don't by no means i'm an expert we are learning every day a lot of marketing tough business it is a business it is not like hands off where you give it to the property management company and they run it they would run it but you have to measure their kpis you know every day every single day it's a, it's a constant struggle making sure they are doing the right thing because at the end of the day, it's business and their objective is to fill it up and they get paid on the gross rent, not on the money that you would make. So you need a lot of cash to to be able to survive in the lease of phase. It's a good business. Can anybody do it? Yes, of course they can do it. Uh, I'm doing it uh, and I I want to do more of that uh, over the next couple of years and time will tell, you know, but I mean, overall, it's more, it's a humbling experience. You know, when I go to the property and, and I meet those seniors, mm-hmm. you know, I almost cry, you know, and I see them uh, basically, you know, I help them out, you know, 
So it's a humbling, uh, it's a very rewarding, uh, spiritually rewarding business. Yeah, love it. Awesome. Well, we are about out of time, so we're going to wrap things up with uh, with one more question for each of you. And that question is, how can listeners learn more about you? Prashant, go first. Yeah, so I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn. You know, Cashflow Champs is my company. And, uh, you know, Prashant at CashflowChamps.com. Go to www.CashflowChamps.com. You can see uh, my multifamily projects. My assisted living projects are still in a different company, MyRealtyGains.com. That's, I mean, because those are my personal projects and my babies. So Mm -hmm. I kept them separate, www.MyRealtyGains.com. Uh, always available to discuss uh, mm-hmm. multifamily or assisted living with anybody. You know, we have our own podcast, you know, at Cashflow Champs, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the bunch of things that we do. Check us out on, on the web. We have our own uh, inner circle uh, where we help investors speed up their growth, become general partners at a very fast mm-hmm. pace. It's a very small inner circle. Uh, so check us out on our website, you know, and and. It's invitation only kind of a group, you know, very small in a central group. Nice. Yeah. Nice. All right. And same question for you, Matt. How can listeners learn more about you? Well, they can, uh, of course, reach out to me on my cell phone. Um, that's probably the easiest. It's obviously tied to my hip. Mm-hmm. So um, I can give that number to you now or you yeah. can post yeah. it, whatever you want. So yeah. Eric, Eric post it out now and we'll yeah. get it posted. Yep, area code 405 is my cell phone. Call or text me anytime. And uh, I'm also, of course, on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn, Matthew Strayer. Um, you know, you can pretty much everywhere. So you can call, text me, get me online. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, thanks guys for, for coming on the, the show today. Very much appreciate your time. And I think we had a little bit of fun today. Brian, thank you so much for having us. It, it yes, sir. Perfect. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast by the Tribe of Titans. If you're still listening, you obviously liked it. So go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already. And then make sure to check out our YouTube channel, which incidentally has a ton of video content that you'll also enjoy and learn from. Now, if you're interested in being on the show, go to our website, diaryofanapartmentinvestor.com and fill out the questionnaire on the website. And for more educational content and for more information about our educational community, check us out at thetribeoftitans.info.